You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are also joined by a fourth member of the crew, our honorary fourth member, Nick Lombardi, is joining us today as we do our annual no Nonsense Mock Draft. Nick, welcome to the show. Not your first appearance on No Nonsense. You've been on here before. Yeah, but thanks for having me. Uh, usually I'm uh, subbing in for one of you guys, so it's nice to be uh, in here with all three of you, you know, not being the substitute teacher, being yeah. one of the guys, so I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, we always like to get a fourth person in here because the first couple of years we did this, we realized that 32 does not divide evenly <laughs> among three, and so when you get a fourth person in, everybody gets to make the same number of picks. And so we're really excited to be doing our annual mock draft. If you've listened to us in the past, uh, you know exactly how this is going to go. We're doing it the same way we've always done it. If you haven't, here's how it goes. So we have in front of us the list of the, the order of the 32 teams picking in the first round of the NFL draft. What we have done is next to the team name, every pick has one of our names because one of us will be making each pick. As we go along, we generated the order randomly, and the order that was generated was Nick, then Will, then Matthias, and then me. And we will go in that order uh, the entire time. Everyone will end up making eight picks. But the twist that we play this game with is instead of doing what we think the team will do, we pick the player that we would pick if we were in that team's position, because we think that's more fun for us and probably more fun for you all at home. So is everybody ready to begin? So we can go ahead and hop into it. 
Let's do it. All right. Nick, as I said a minute ago, you are first in the rotation. So you were on the clock with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Very tough choice here. I know. I as I, I know you said it was randomly generated, but I appreciate you giving the guests the easy layup to get my uh, feet wet here. I wish I could say I was being edgy or, you know, have some motive to pick like Trey Lance number one. But, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll stick to the game and I'll, I'll take Lawrence here as much as it saddens me as a Titans fan. Uh, not going to look forward to seeing him, but that's the right call. So yeah. I don't even think the Jaguars can mess this one up. Yeah, and I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, analysis to do about this one either. Although this, like, Will, you, you can probably speak to this better than I have because I still have not read the piece. This, like, Sports Illustrated article about how he's, like, not committed to football or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all that normal, like, is he should this guy really be the number one like pick? He didn't need foot like I think it was his dad too that also kind of said yeah he could just like leave it if he wanted to, and he's got I think a twin brother or maybe just regular brother but I almost want to say they're twins who uh, is just like this artist and has long hair just total hippie version of him yeah and like they're real close and I, I don't know like that take that for what you will like he's a really good football player it's kind of like Andrew Luck in that if he breaks his you know leg or his foot hurts him too bad or whatever he could leave football tomorrow and it wouldn't be the end of his world like he's got stuff he wants to do after football and he's equipped you know he's a well-adjusted human so that's not like most nfl players and some gms don't like to see that because it's different but i mean just protect him and you'll be fine yeah like, what I, are you gonna do? Not I, draft I, him? I couldn't care less like you know it doesn't have to be your whole world i don't think no, I mean, it probably shouldn't, but, you know, like all the good ones are kind of obsessed with it. Um, so I'll go ahead and go second since okay. that's my pick. Uh, so it's the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson, I I don't know if I really have a strong take on the difference between these three quarterbacks kind of in the middle here that don't include Mac Jones um, because I think they're all athletic enough. I think they can all move. I think they've all got strong enough arms. I think it's just about whatever you're interested in the most. For some reason, Zach Wilson's the Jets guy, and this is what we would do. But, I mean, I don't have any strong preference, so I guess I'll just go with the flavor they like. But, uh, again, if if they came out and – I guess not Justin Fields. I don't like him quite as much. But if they came out and drafted Trey Lance and were just like, hey, you know – we're going to build a, an entire offense around what he can do well. We're going to give him several years. I I wouldn't be too upset with it, but still, Zach Wilson's going to be the pick here. Matias, you are up with the San Francisco 49ers, and I have a feeling I know what you're going to do. Yeah, if Will would have taken Justin Fields at two, I would have had a conversation with myself uh, between Trey Lance and <laughs> Zach Wilson because I think they're probably closer than, than a lot of people would lead you to believe. Uh, it's like, I haven't, I haven't seen one negative thing about Zach Wilson this entire, uh, draft season, which, which has been kind of weird. And I don't know if it's going to turn into an upset on draft night, uh, but in terms of whether the Jets will take him, but, uh, I'm taking Justin Fields here for the 49ers at three. I think that's what they should do. Uh, if they take Lance in real life on Thursday night. I think that would be a good decision, too, because I think he actually fits the Shanahan offense rather well. I just think Fields is a more polished uh, product than Trey Lance. Uh, I think Mac Jones is not very good, and I wouldn't even consider him. 
uh, field as a cannon. He's incredibly athletic. He did it uh, in a big conference. He did it against Clemson in the national playoff. Uh, like, I don't really have too much more analysis about it. The, the consensus reporting out there as we're recording this, which could all be false, we don't know, is that the 49ers are choosing really between Matt Jones from Alabama and Trey Lance from North Dakota State, as you mentioned, Matthias. What would lead a team to take uh, Trey Lance over Justin Fields? I, I'm failing to see what it is he has that Justin Fields doesn't. I don't know. I honestly can't give you like a definitive answer. Uh, he might be a little faster. Maybe like he, he's kind of skinnier. I think he, maybe he might be a little bit more athletic. Uh, but the arm talent isn't very different. Justin Fields is, is way more accurate. Uh, I think people just – this happens a lot where if a quarterback is fast – uh, outside of the pocket or, or with straight line speed, they just assume that he has a higher ceiling than someone else, and that's not necessarily true. So I'm up with the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm going to take Panay Sewell, the tackle from Oregon. Uh, uh, another option here is, of course, Kyle Pitts, the really talented tight end from Florida. But you know, based on recent history of tight ends going in the first round, I know that Pitts is the unicorn, and I know he's he's better than O.J. Howard, and he's better than T.J. Hawkinson, but I'm still jaded from being told for months that T.J. Hawkinson and O.J. Howard were going to be just game-changing, dynamic weapons, and like neither one of them has more than like 500 receiving yards in a single season. And I just don't know that if you're the Atlanta Falcons, when you already have Hayden Hurst, who of course is not Kyle Pitts, but is very talented, a former first-round pick himself, I feel like it's a luxury pick that they can't afford. The Falcons have a lot of flair on both sides of the ball, and I think it's time that they make an infrastructure pick, and I think a good one to do it with is Sewell, who by all accounts is going to be a really, really good offensive tackle for whatever team he ends up on. And that puts Nick back on the clock with the Bengals. Well, you threw me off um, a little bit with that pick. You know, I was kind of thinking that you would take Pitts, and I think Cincinnati will be faced with Sewell and um, Jamar Chase. And I think they'll end up going Chase just because the combination of um, Chase and then an early second-round offensive lineman is better than Sewell and an early uh, second-round wide receiver. Um but I think I'm going to go Pitts here uh, since he's available. Um, I think even if Pitts is available, the Bengals will go with Jamar Chase. Um, but I'm going Pitts. I, I know that um, CJ Uzama was getting a lot of targets early in the season last year before he went down. So I think Pitts would be uh, a favorite target for Joe Burrow. And he can just do so many things. And they already have two pretty decent wide receivers there. So um, a- adding Pitts into the mix would would be pretty lethal uh, potential on offense. And then pick up uh, an interior lineman second round, you're good to go. I think some people forget how good T. Higgins was last year. Like, he was one of the better receivers in the NFL period as a rookie uh, and his arrows pointing up. And, yeah, Jamar Chase is really good and one of the better wide receiver talents we've had come out in a while. 
and yeah, you would you would put him with Joe Burrow, but already have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I don't know if adding a third receiver is necessarily uh, the best value play there, um, and I think Pitts is probably the better option. Yeah, it's 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 weird because, like you said, when Luke draft Penesul, that that kind of messes everybody up just from a like this is the way we're used to seeing them fall kind of thing. I, I don't I don't know what I would have done there. That Kyle Pitts is fine. Like it, it helps me out because I need as many wide receivers on the board as I can get for Miami. But like Kyle Pitts is interesting because the drop off between him and tight end is arguably as big of a drop between any position and uh, another the, the number two at their position in this draft. So I mean I, I've got no problem with it. It's I think that's probably the right move. Um, I'm up next, so. I've got Miami at six. The guys, I, I mean, really, this has to be a wide receiver to me. Just, I mean, it just has to be. Like, I, I, I guess I, you could I, fit Pitts. I, I think that's why they moved back up is, is to get a receiver. Yeah, and I think you could get. I think you could convince yourself of you know taking Pitts and basically calling him a wide receiver if he fell, and if for some reason Atlanta and Cincinnati both went wide receiver, which I don't think they'll do, obviously. Um, I don't think they'll take Jamar Chase just because the the rumor is that they don't like guys that opted out and they don't want to draft those guys high. I will take them because I've got no problem with it. And if you can outperform Justin Jefferson, who went on to be, you know, I don't know if he got rookie of the year. He probably didn't know. I think it was Herbert that got rookie of the year. But, I mean, he should have. And he was the most prolific wide receiver, he and A.J. Brown, in the last five years. So, uh, I'll go ahead and just make that decision, even if they won't. So you're taking Chase? I am. Now, that's interesting because we had a conversation a few days ago about why you thought that Devontae Smith would be a good option for Miami because of the connection he has with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. So I'm curious as to what maybe changed your mind or, or why so, you went Chase instead of him. Yeah, so like we we've had these discussions before. I don't know. It, it kind of comes. It's it's just like what am I feeling that day? And that sounds mercurial, and it's not supposed to be. It's just when I look at a draft board, it's like okay, I've looked at the wide receivers that they could get in the second round. I looked at what they can get later in the draft. It's like if they just if they just want a connection, I don't think that's going to be enough to separate them. So okay, I look at body types, and then I'm like, well, I think Chase is like, I mean, I think he's built to succeed however you want to use him. I think that Devonta Smith, even though I don't care about size, I know other people do. And it's like, as soon as he gets nicked up, I think people are going to be really concerned about him, even though I don't care. So today, you know, at six fifty six, it makes <laughs> sense to me that Jamar chase is the better option, but you may call me, I, I may watch a bad game of Jamar chase at the ones that you can find, uh, tomorrow, and I may say like, no, he's you know he's not any better than Devonta Smith, even though I know in my heart he's probably more talented. It's really just risk assessment. Like, yeah, we don't really care too much about Devonta Smith's size, but sure, there's that possibility that it may play a factor at some point in his career. So, if Chase and Smith are like exactly you know parallel on your board, you might as well just take the one with a little less risk. And I'll also say this too. I don't know how committed Miami is 
to Tua. Like, and that's part of it too, is because I, I don't know if they would take best player available or if they would take the guy who's most connected to Tua to try to make him feel comfortable. I, I, I don't know that. So like right now, for whatever reason, I'm like, maybe they're not committed to Tua and you know, that that's just where my head's at. So it's one of those things where I think if they draft an Alabama wide receiver, they're clearly committed to it. If they take chase, it's 50, 50, whatever they take pits it's 50, 50, whatever. But if they take an Alabama wide receiver over chase, then I think they're saying we're just trying to give our team the best talent. And we're not worried about what chemistry these guys already may have. I'm up next, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, with the Lions pick here, they're in a really good spot, I think, uh, because they have some glaring needs, uh, but I think they can also maybe go best player available at some of those needs. So they're, they're in a good spot. Uh, with the way this draft is played out, I'm taking Trey Lance here. Uh, like, I don't think they're sold on Jared Goff. They really only traded uh, for him. You know, it was like a it was like a logistical move. They didn't really want him. Um, but they have to get rid of Stafford and get some co- compensation. They get their quarterback of the future here. I think Trey Lance is much more talented than Jared Goff, uh, and I think this would be not not a home run, but I think it, it, it'd be a great pick for the Lions. And if they don't go quarterback here um, in the real draft, they would have the option of getting probably Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith uh, at positions of need. So they're they're in a nice little spot at seven. I definitely don't fault you for going Trey Lance because they're going to need a quarterback eventually. But as I was telling you two the other day, if one of these top receivers, whether it's Pitts, Chase, or, or Smith, falls to them at six, which or excuse me at seven, which I think is highly likely, as you said, Matthias, you could do a lot worse than an offense. Let's say it's it's Smith because that's how it fell in this scenario. You could do a lot worse as an offense than having. Jared Goff, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, and uh, Devontae Smith. Like That's a pretty good group. And I know we're not the biggest Jared Goff fans in the world, but at least he's serviceable. Is he? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, thank I you, Nick. Thank see, you. <laughs> it'll be that's... interesting to see him without Sean McVay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who uh, who is even? I can't even remember who the offensive coordinator is over there now. Still Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> That's who I'm just going to assume that he's you know all time OC over there. I feel like they got like a, um, a Niners cast off or someone to to you know try and be uh, Shanahan there. But I, I don't know. I almost feel like if I'm Detroit, I'm just going to try and go the Miami route and just tank. I mean, I think this is kind of a good trade back option for them because you know they're stuck with. Goff's contract for two years. I don't think that necessarily precludes you from, you know, drafting a QB here, but it's almost like let's just lean into the tank this year, maybe get some more picks and then pick high again next year, and then we could have our pick of all the quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. I'll be really interested to see what the Lions do. I've seen some people mocking the Patriots moving up here to take their quarterback. Um, I think this will, the Detroit pick here will, you know, set the tone for how a lot of the rest of the draft goes. Yeah, and something else we also need to remember is this team had Kenny Galladay for a little bit and Matt Stafford last year. So, like, they're going to Jared Goff. Even if you give them a really good wide receiver, I mean, are they going to win more games than they did last year? I think we all agree that Stafford's better than Goff. Mm -hmm. Like, 
So uh, and Marvin they, Jones, that was a good combo. Yeah, and Marvin Jones. So it's like. I don't know anywhere where the lines have gotten better except for maybe head coach. But like, I, I don't know. Like that, that's, they feel like the team that may draft first overall next year. Like you said, like whether they want to tank or not, it feels like they're going to, and they have that extra first round pick uh, from the Rams, I believe next year. Don't they? Cause they had to trade it because they already gave up the Ramsey, uh, the pick for Ramsey this year. So uh, theoretically, if you're going to tank now's the year to do it and then just, load up and do whatever but man it it's just gonna get ugly there so now i'm on the clock with the carolina panthers and i'm struggling with this when i'm thinking between three players if i were to go best player available i think i would help sam darnold out and get him Devonte smith however i'm also thinking of helping sam darnold out by giving him Rashawn slater the offensive tackle from northwestern however i look at that defense that actually has a lot of speed and some good talent up front but on the back end is is very broken and needs some help. So I'm thinking about potentially going cornerback too. But, you know, with all the good quarterbacks gone, I don't like Mac Jones. And since this is us doing what we would do, I'm going to have to go all in on Sam Darnold for this year. And so I'm going to make a pick that does that. But also... You know, let's say Deshaun Watson is found totally innocent of all charges, which seems like a bit of a long shot, and they get Deshaun Watson. This pick is going to be able to help Deshaun Watson, too, or any other quarterback they get in the future if the Sam Darnold experiment doesn't work out. And you also have Teddy Bridgewater there, too, and I think this helps Teddy Bridgewater. This helps everyone. This helps this organization in the future. When you get a chance to take a franchise offensive lineman, and you're in a position like the Panthers, I don't think you pass it up. I'm going to take Rashawn Slater. That's a good one. I'm in a little bit of a pickle with Denver here. Um, a lot of mocks have them going Mac Jones, but going from Drew Locke to Mac Jones just doesn't really seem like a win. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know. Like for, Former, as we like to say on this show, for, former future Titan Drew Locke. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I want to go Mac Jones here. I think um, I might go Jace. Is it JC or JC Horn? I, uh, Jace Horn. I actually JC. haven't. It's one of those things where you're on Twitter so much, you never actually hear anybody pronounce it. Uh, I, I think I go JC Horn. Um, you know, That's Fangio, he loves his cornerbacks. He tried to bring AJ Bouye and, you know, revive him last year. And that didn't work. Um, so I think Horn, you know, kind of fits the mentality that he'll want there. Um, you know, there's some good wide receivers with Waddle left, but they're pretty solid in the receiving department. Uh, so I think I'll stick with Horn there. I like Horn. He he. If I had taken a corner for Carolina, that's who what I would have, I would have taken. He's my favorite corner in this class, and you see a lot of Akib Talib comparisons with him. And mm-hmm. when you when I see that name, Akib Talib, sign me up. Uh, I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll go ahead and talk about it now because I'm up for Dallas. So uh, you took Horn. I've got no problem with Horn. I think this is sort of the dream scenario for Dallas is that Sertain falls to them because now they get to recreate uh, Alabama's defensive backfield and they get to add Patrick Sertain and they took Diggs last year to be the other corner. And, I mean, their defense – was 
atrocious. Uh, I mean, it it was hard to watch last year. So, and I mean, that's coming from a Titans fan, so you know how bad it was. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make the easy call here and just slide Sertain in, or Sertan. Again, another one of those names that I, I've, I've read in my head so many times I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Let's have this conversation real quick because we were having it the other day over text talking about how I made the comment that Sertan is sort of the classic Alabama corner in that mold. And I know you draft the player, not the jersey he's wearing, but the Alabama corners in the Sertan mold have not fared terribly well lately. Like, I think all of them, all of the big Alabama corners, I would take on my team happily as starters, but none of them have really turned into those, like, lockdown guys that you're looking for in the first round, like an Aqib Tlaib, like I mentioned earlier, or a more recent example, like a Marcus Peters. No one has, none of the Alabama guys become that. The best you get is someone like a uh, Marlon Humphrey for the Ravens, who's a good player and I would love to have as a starter on my team, but I just don't know that that's a top 10 draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I think you need a lot of them. Like, I think you need three corners and. Even if you have three serviceable corners, you're ahead of most of the league. Uh, those guys don't – I mean, uh, there's an ideal, like, this is what I think a top ten draft pick should be at corner. But, I mean, I can't name you three guys who've come out and who've been that guy in the last five years. I mean, it's just – even if you take the whole draft and look at it, like, it's just hard to play corner in the NFL. So – you have fewer and fewer teams trying to shadow guys. More guys play one side of the field and just stick to it. So if you're going to do that, why not pick the guy that played opposite the guy you have starting on the other side? Yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, that That's probably what the Cowboys... I think they're probably going to be between Sertan and Horn uh, at 10. I know some Cowboys fans on Twitter want Kyle Pitts if he falls, but... They got to fix that defense. I, I don't know if they can commit too much more to the offense. Yeah, the offense is kind of loaded. Like we don't really talk about that very often. Cowboys got a pretty talented offense. It's great, and even like even at tight end, they have Dalton Schultz, who was serviceable last year, and Blake Jarwin's coming back from an ACL injury. So I don't know what why they would keep adding to that, honestly. Yeah, they just got to make sure their offensive line didn't crumble around Dak as he's recovering from his leg breaking. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that O-line. It seems like one of their best offensive linemen is either injured, retiring, has like a a, a disease. I don't know what's been going yeah, on there like the last break, couple of seasons. Yeah, like Lyme disease or something crazy that happens to him. Like, So, yeah, like then they don't like Lyle Collins now for some reason. I mean, I guess he wasn't very good or he was hurt last year a lot, like right after they paid him, which just kind of happens, it seems. But now they've got, you know, Tyron Smith, who's getting older. You don't like the right tackle you thought was the right tackle of the future. Your center is gone. Your right guard, who's an all-pro, is great. But if you just have an all-pro guard, you've got a bad offensive line. So uh, that, that that was the only other thing I thought about here. But Sertan just made too much sense. We are out of the top ten, and we start now at 11 with Matias and the New York Giants. So I, I think they should probably go with an edge or an inside linebacker. I, I don't know if the value is there for Parsons at 11. Uh, so I'm going to go with an edge, and I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips. Uh, obviously, I'm a University of Miami alumni, so I pretty much have to pick him. 
Uh, just kidding. I actually do think he has the high ceiling of any of the edges. Uh, he's just a really solid player, both as a pass rusher and a run defender. Uh, he was highly recruited coming out when he went to UCLA and then finally exploded uh, when he transferred to Miami. And I, I think he fits that that defense well. And they do need ed- edges because they really don't have too many game changers there. So, yeah. go ahead, Will. Well, I was just gonna say, like, if he if he's like if he's not broken, he's the I mean, he's one of if not the best edge in this class. Like, I I don't I don't know that coaching necessarily helps with injuries or anything like that. But I will say that Judge seems to be able to get the most out of all his guys, and Phillips is kind of that I can do everything at a really high level kind of guy. So I I think he'll love Phillips. But I was joking about Quiddy Pay just. Oh, I'm sure we'll talk about him at some point here, but I think Phillips is the only guy with real, like, true edge one upside in this class. So I got the Eagles now at pick 12, and the Eagles need a wide receiver. They drafted Jalen Rager in the first round last year. I honestly don't know how he did in his rookie season because I didn't hear about him that much. So I'm going to assume that means that he didn't do very much as a rookie. Uh, I'm going to give him a nice running mate in Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, I think Devontae Smith is a heck of a football player. I do not care about his weight at all. I look at production in the tape, not numbers on a, you know, wearing shorts. And no one has torn up college football like Devontae Smith has in a long, long time. I don't love Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, I, I don't mind giving him this year. I think he's limited. I think there's a reason he fell to the second round last year. If in real life Trey Lance was still on the board, I think that would be a good option for the Eagles. Um, but let's see what happens with Jalen Hurts. And if you're going to take a shot on him in, in year one with a new head coach, Nick Sirianno, might as well get him the best weapon available. And so I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. That's a slam dunk for the Eagles. Best case scenario. Absolutely. Up next yeah, as long as, uh, as as long as Hertz, you know, throws it to his own team more than uh, Carson Wentz did yeah. last last year, um, I think they'll be in good shape. I think Rager was kind of banged up, and then when he came back, he didn't do anything right. So, correct. Uh, I, I would like I'd like to see that combo um, and see what Hertz and Sirianni do. Although, did you did you hear Sirianni said that Hertz is in a lock? So. Yeah, which yeah, that's some way, way to get behind your yeah. yeah way to get behind your quarterback yeah so that's um you're leaving me a pretty good board you know I really am tempted to take Jalen Waddle here um you know Mike Williams is I think on his uh, fifth year option this year yeah. and uh, could be expensive to bring back and I wouldn't call Keenan Allen old actually I wouldn't have guessed he's only turning 29 now I would have could have sworn he's in his 30s. Um, so I don't know how they feel about Jalen Guyton coming in. So that would be pretty tempting to pair uh, Waddle and Herbert going forward. But I think you got to go Darasaw here, um, mostly because I just double-checked the Chargers' depth chart. And someone called Trey Pipkins the third is manning left tackle. Um, <laughs> and that he just does not sound reliable. So I'm going to go with Darasaw here. you gotta keep got to keep Herbert healthy. Trey Pipkins. I love Justin Herbert, man. That, I mean, so I knew, like, obviously everyone did because he was in the media and he started and played well when Terod Taylor had the, the punctured lung. When I watch, 
like the the game they played against Tampa Bay early in the season when he went toe to toe with Tom Brady. That's one of the most fun football games I've watched in a long time. That dude can sling it. He was in, exceptional in that game. I love Justin Herbert, and so I think you're wise, Nick, as this as the Chargers GM with that pick to to go all in on on him because I think he can be really special if you. Uh, if you actually help him out and sort of keep fanning the flame. Yeah. It's a little different. You know, I, I took, um, pits instead of like a Rashawn Slater with Cincinnati, but you know, they have, uh, Jonah Williams and Riley reef at tackles, which, you know, they're at least average, but you, with, if your left tackle is Trey P- Pipkins, the third, you, you got to address that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely not a, definitely not a name that inspires confidence. Uh, so I'm going to go with the guy I actually thought you might have taken here, which is Elijah Vera Tucker from uh, USC. So I have the Minnesota Vikings in case uh, I hadn't brought that up yet. Vera Tucker's problem is he's he played left tackle, but they think his arms aren't long enough to play it at the next level. Whatever. Like, I, I don't have any problem with it. Like, I think maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Some guys know how to use their hands better than others, and it really doesn't matter. Uh, it, the only time I saw it really bother him at the college level is when he had to play against Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon this year. And he makes it doesn't matter if you have 10 feet armed, like, he's going to kill you. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have any problem with them trotting him out at tackle or moving him inside at guard because. And maybe this is just the Titans' bias in me, but all I can see is just how easily Simmons would just run over those interior linemen over and over and over again. Like, there was a point in the end of the game where they needed to drive down the field to kick a field goal, and it was so bad that even, like, Jadavian Clowney and Vic Beasley were getting pressure on uh, Cousins. So, I mean, if if that's the world you live in, you have to do something to address offensive line. And Vera Tucker's the guy who you're going to hear about who – oh, you know, he's either going to be a good left tackle or he's going to be a great interior lineman. But the difference is it's not just people talking to talk. I do think he actually is good enough to play either one of those positions and play him at a high level. So that's an easy plug-and-play for me. Matias now has perhaps the most interesting pick in this draft, the New England Patriots at 15. I think a lot of people feel like if he's there, they're going to go with Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama. I know Matias isn't going to go with Mac Jones. So, so what's happening here? Wow, so little faith in my in my love for Mac Jones. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not picking him here. I do think the Patriots would if the if this is how the board plays out. Uh, and I think that probably work out well for them because I think Belichick can actually get a, get him out out of out of Mac Jones uh, and whatever talent uh, he has. Uh, I don't. Their defense is fine. I do think they need to add a little bit more explosion to their offense. Uh, their offensive line is also not that bad. So I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle here. It's a good pick. Uh, I mean, yeah, their their receivers just they're they're bad. Nikhil Harry, as much as I loved him coming out. He has been very poor. Jacoby Myers is a fine possession receiver. He's kind of tall, uh, but he's not very explosive. They did sign Nelson Aguilar, but, you know, it's Nelson Aguilar. He's he's never going to be uh, an elite guy. And I think adding Waddle to the mix is would just really help their offense and really help Cam Newton uh, to, to see what they can get at him in, as he enters uh, his early 30s. So, yeah, I, I I think 
the receiver group would be okay if the top three are Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, and Jalen Waddle. It's actually not that terrible. I've got the Arizona Cardinals now, and I'm going to stay on the run of offensive linemen, or at least go back to that and take Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. I think they need someone to help keep, keep Kyler Murray upright. Uh, they're a really talented team, but they can't just can't seem to break through. It's like you look around, it's like well, the quarterback's really good and plays well. They've got studs at receiver. The defense is fast and flies around, and you just added a Hall of Famer in J.J. Watt. You lost a Hall of Famer in Patrick Peterson, but you add Malcolm Butler, so you know maybe that cancels that out. So, so what's the problem? And I think when you're in a situation like that, I mentioned this this term earlier, you take infrastructure picks, picks that aren't going to be exciting, that aren't the fantasy football type, they're not going to blow you away, but that are going to build the team from the inside out and help you by that measure to win more games. Uh, and I think that Tevin Jenkins or, or really any talented offensive lineman would do that for the Cardinals. I like Jenkins. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to be a perfect fit on paper for what they run, but he's just so much fun to watch. Like, I, I don't think any team's going to be worse for having him on their roster. So, I mean, it doesn't doesn't matter what kind of offense you run, he's going to make your team better. Plus, he's got one of those dispositions, kind of like uh, Dickerson does, where it's just he, he seems to be a spark plug at a position that you don't normally get that energy from. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed you took him because that's who I was going to take next at uh, in for Las Vegas. I mean, that just seems like a Gruden pick to me. <laughs> like just oh, you know, yeah. watching watching one game, <laughs> Jenkins destroying a guy, and uh, Mayock and uh, Gruden are already running to the podium. Um, there are plenty so makes, of other Gruden picks still on the board right here, though. They're I know. just in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I was so I've I have Las Vegas now to pick, and I made the joke with Will on Twitter today that you know they're probably going to just have something out of, out of left field because that's what I feel like since the Mayock Gruden era has started. Um, you know, they just they draft really random players that just seem to be gritty and very average. So um, I I'm not going to go that route. Uh, you know, I was joking that like Nick Bolton could come out of left field here or something. Um. I think I would go um, with Jeremiah Usu Kamara. Um, That's exactly now, who I'm, I was thinking of when I said that there are Gruden picks still on the board. Yeah. So Gruden would not know what to do with him, but he'd be running around there really fast and hitting people hard. Um, I could kind of see, you know, how Isaiah Simmons was just not effective earlier in the year for uh, Arizona. I think, I think, JOK can be a really good player, um, but if you're not going to think outside the box of them, then it'll be interesting to see how he's deployed. Um, so that's who I would take, I think, just from a talent perspective and how he's a really unique player. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where, where they end up going. If Jenkins is off the board, I could, that's who I think they might pick if, if in real life. So th- this is interesting because... Now we've had uh, Jeremiah Usukormo go ahead of Micah Parsons. So everybody tell me why y'all did that. Because, I mean, I have a very specific reason. What are you talking? I didn't do that. Well, nobody's drafted Micah Parsons. I didn't know. I also and didn't draft JOK. <laughs> that, that's true. But, I mean, the consensus is that 
if, if you if you listen to any podcast or if you list, look at any ranking, most of them will have him either right at the top or as the first non cornerback who's the you know quote unquote best defender in this class. Oh, I love Micah Parsons. I I just haven't been in a position with my picks where I felt like it made sense. I mean, the Cardinals just drafted Isaiah Simmons last year. I don't want to give them another fast linebacker in the first round when they can get an offensive tackle. Uh, Philadelphia, Devontae Smith, to me, was the best player available. And uh, to go all the way back to my pick with Carolina – uh, they're also pretty talented on the linebacker front with uh, with Shaq Thompson and and Brian Burns and those other guys. So as the person who just drafted JOK, I'll say that my reasoning for it was just the the off field stories, the off field stuff with Parsons. I do think he's I think he's more talented than JOK, but I think the gap is close enough that I feel okay going JOK. Um, just some of this, you know, not just one story, but I've you know, two to three involving Parsons that just like, eh, I don't know about this guy. So, yeah. And then that's, that's kind of where I am because I think the worst thing and the most likely thing to happen is for him to end up in Las Vegas. Like they feel like a team that's like Gruden, Gruden sees him play against Memphis. And he's like, that guy's going to be the best player I've ever seen. And, uh, like I, I can just imagine him falling in love with that guy and then not realizing, wait, we're in Vegas. Wait, this guy's character problems. Wait, we're not going to be able to babysit him all the time. And it just not working out. Uh, so I, I have Jeremiah Usakormoa, who, by the way, I think is like a doctor or something. Like he's got like some, or, or maybe that's Zayvon Collins. I'm thinking of Zayvon Collins. Uh, Usakormoa is just the best player. But yeah, like I, I totally agree with it. I was just curious if it was a stylistic thing or if it was like the character concerns. Because like I said, I would never put him in Vegas. Um, even though I don't think that's necessarily where his character concerns are, I just think it's another thing that could trip mm-hmm. him up. Just make him be roommates with Marcus, and then he can be in bed by 9 p.m. <laughs> they no find trouble. Marcus's body. <laughs> just, just <be> like, <laughs> uh, so uh, after all that, I will say that I think that Flores in Miami, that's uh, Miami's picking 18. I have that pick. Uh, I think Flores in Miami is the kind of guy who can say, look, like we've built a culture here. I know how to coach guys, you know, from all backgrounds. I've been doing it forever. And this is going to be the captain of my defense. And I'm just going to put him in the middle and watch him go. And I'm going to send Michael Parsons to Miami, but I just want to make it clear through all that preamble that I don't necessarily think that, Parsons is the best linebacker, but I think that he has the athletic ability and he's versatile enough. When it, people don't talk about enough about how he can kind of play an edge role, like he's so athletic that you can really use him like a Kyle Van Noy, but more athletic. Like he can be, uh, oh, not high tower. Well, I mean, he could be high tower for you, but he could also be Jamie Collins. That's what I was thinking of. Like he could be one of those hybrid, like this guy has six sacks and 12 tackles for loss, but he seems to make every single play, but he has to be put in the right system with the right coach. And I think that's what this is. Do you think the, uh, Isaiah Wilson experiment might've scared off Miami from 
taking chances on. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't know if uh, he went to the same high school as Micah Parsons did. So I, I really don't know <laughs> how much you would just assume that every NFL story he'd ever ha- heard was nonsense because they used to have lockers close to each other. Like, I, no no, that, one, no one has ever been or will ever be Panda. That is an anomaly. That is true. Now, if you're John Robinson, you have to think about, you know, figuring out what went wrong there but all that Flores did was just take a chance with a seventh round draft pick change and you know didn't work out I don't I think this is a great pick that's who I would have picked if I was in that spot well Matias you are up next with the WFT the Washington football team Will totally ruined my party because I was about to pick Michael Parsons for the Redskins where he would just eat behind that insane defensive line. But now that there are no, I mean, I'm not taking Zayvon Collins at 19. Uh, the Redskins really don't have too many holes, but they could stand to upgrade a cornerback, even though they added William Jackson. Their other starting cornerback right now is Kendall Fuller, who is, he's fine, but he's not really someone who uh, is going to shut anyone down. So I'm going to go with a cornerback here. Uh, I'm going with Caleb Farley. I know he has that back issue, but I my my job is not on the line. I'm just on a podcast uh, picking virtually for, for a team. So I'm going with Caleb Farley uh, over Greg Newsome, and, and I think that defense is going to be just incredible if you add another uh, shutdown cornerback to it. Did you think about Mac Jones at all? I never think about Mac Jones. Jones at all. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of your brand. <laughs> Mac Jones doesn't exist. <laughs> well, no I mean, else... it would make sense if I liked him. Fine, but I I don't think he's he's I, a first round pick. I just I mean, like I I don't know. Like they've got what Fitzpatrick and nobody like on their roster right now. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think Mac Jones, uh, and I'm not a Mac Jones defender, but I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap where we're like, this guy is, uh, who is the Alabama quarterback that, uh, AJ McCarron? He's, he's not, yeah, he's not AJ McCarron. Like, he's much better than AJ McCarron. Like, I, I don't want to give him that sort of label. I feel like he's kind of fallen into that, well, uh, that territory, but no, I, no one's, no, no one's going to have to think of him anymore because I'm going to take him here with Chicago at 20. Okay, there you go. I think I think that's a good call. I don't know what in the world their plan was at quarterback going into this offseason. They ended up with Andy Dalton and nothing else. Uh, I'm going to give them Mac Jones and my thoughts and prayers. <laughs> I think that's fine. At, at, at 20, I, I think that's fine because there really aren't too many <laughs> – uh, outstanding players left uh, at this point well, of the first round. Matt, Matt Nagy won Coach of the Year and made Mitchell Trubisky look passable. I know the results have not been good for Nagy since then, but let's give him a chance with a quarterback who's accurate uh, and doesn't have a noodle arm like Nick Foles and see if he can't make something happen, especially when you've got talented players like uh, Allen Robinson. And Anthony Miller is still on the team, though he's been in trade rumors for some time. Uh, but I, I feel like if anybody can get something out of Mac Jones, it might be a coach along the lines of a Matt Nagy, one of those quarterback molder guys. I just noticed, so I've got Indianapolis next. And yes. I noticed that the way the auto generator landed that I have all of our AFC South rivals picks in this mock. Hmm. So I really could oh, do that's a sab- sabotage job. 
Yeah. Uh, Houston doesn't <laughs> have a pick, but I have both of Jacksonville's. Um, Indianapolis is interesting. You know, like all, all of the, I think, the best offensive tackles have come off the board. And I really would not want Sam Tevy as my day one left tackle. So it's kind of like, do you reach on someone like, I don't know, Cosme or Leatherwood? I don't know if I feel good about that either. Um, this might be um, an ignorant pick because I, I can't necessarily speak to how good their safeties are, but I think I might take Trevon Morig as like the best player um, maybe left on there. I think he'd be good at safety. Um, I don't know about their cornerbacks necessarily. If you know, they'd reach on Newsom or someone, but I'm going to go with uh, Trevon Morig. I think you would give them another lethal option. Um, I think they've got a pretty good defensive line, but that secondary needs to improve. Yeah, Morg is good. Like, Morg's one of those players where uh, I've seen him mock to the Titans a couple of times in weird scenarios, and I'm like, why would the Titans take him? And it's like, you watch, and he plays, he can cover from the slot. He can kind of do everything that you want. He's kind of like a better version of Imani Hooker. So it's like, if they want him to be a slot corner, he could play some of that. He could play some deep safety. And I, I think Hooker is gone. Uh, yep. Malik, not Amani, but mm-hmm. I, I think he's gone from there after they tried to trade him, and I, I don't, I don't know what happened with that. But the they at one point did want that deep safety ball hawk kind of guy, and they didn't get it. I think he, I think Moore can be that because he's incredibly productive in terms of like pass deflections. Like, I mean, he's just always swatting passes away. So, I mean, I think it's a good pick. I also don't really know how much they need safety. I know they need defensive back help in general, like you said, but just in terms of like a good player, like, I mean, uh, like Tevin Jenkins, he, he's not going to make any roster worse by being on there. So now Will is up at 22 with the Titans, and I feel like any moment now, Will and I will be yelling back and forth. So go <laughs> ahead, my friend. Uh, okay, so... There's really only a couple of options. Since this is the Titans pick, I'll kind of talk about what I'm thinking. Uh, and I, don't I think hate there's... most of them. <laughs> uh, so I don't think there's any chance they take an edge here. I, I just don't. I don't think they all that stink. They like. Well, I mean, they don't like that. Like Osai is good. Like, and he's their type of guy. I just think it's too high. Like, I think if they want him, they'll trade down for him. I think Jalen Phillips is a guy they might roll the dice on if he's got a clean bill of health, but he's not here. Like, I think they could talk themselves into Russo because I think we, we've talked about this on the pod before, so I won't get into it. But I think there's an easy path to plug him in and develop him along the way. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at Barmore. I'm looking at Greg Newsom, And I'm looking at Elijah Moore. And... The argument for Barmore is there's no other defensive tackle that deserves to be taken in the top 100. So if you're going to fix defensive line, it's here or never. Uh, he's an SEC guy who was leading the SEC in sacks until the second half of the Georgia-Cincinnati Bowl game where Aziz Ojolari got three sacks on a backup left tackle. Uh, so that that kind of tells you how productive he is, even if it isn't consistent productivity. And then Elijah Moore... Is I mean, he's A.J. Brown's best friend, like we all know. Like, not best friend, but they're close. He's been productive. He's really fast. Um, in the end, I, I'm going to go with Elijah Moore. He does not pass the Matthias Wadner rule, which is the only, like, the literal only reservation I have with him is that he doesn't have two separate thousand-yard receiving seasons. But he did play in two different offensive systems. 
he had, I want to say 900 yards one year. I, I know that the math comes out to where he did it's have 900. 2, yeah, it's 2,000 yards ago. over the last two seasons. It's just not two separate 1,000 yard seasons, which is the rule. Um, so he ran a 4 3, like mid 4 3. That's good. I think he was 5 10. That's, that's good enough size. You know, he can line up outside in this system because it, there, there's, space that gets naturally created with the play action passes. I think there'll be space for him over the middle. I think you can use him inside and out, which is helpful because that's kind of what they do with AJ Brown. It's kind of what they did with Corey Davis more than people think. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, he, he kind of checks every box except like I said, he doesn't have that exact production that you're looking for. And he's not two inches taller, but if he's two inches taller, he's, the second wide receiver taken in this class or the third, not the fourth. And I I feel pretty confident that he would be a good fit in this system. I I agree. My, my only thing is I like Elijah Moore. I just think 22 is too high for him. And so I wonder if you're the Titans, I, I feel like the more and more we do this exercise, because if you don't know the three of us, uh, practice this ahead of time to, to make sure that we understand what's going on. And, and when I had the Titans pick and we were doing this, I was like, man, this is just a, a good trade-down spot. Because as I saw Parsons and Awusu Karamoa and the last of the big top wide receivers come off the board, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I don't love this spot at 22. Now, if we're at 29 and, and the Titans are in a situation where they have this board available to them, then sure – but I'm kind of wondering, like I feel like if it were me, if I if John Robinson can't get a trade, I think at 22 you take Barmore because he's the best player available, and, and but you want to fill your needs, so I think you try to trade down to say 29 or 30, and then get whether it's Moore, or Terrace Marshall, or, or someone like that. I thought it was interesting. I can't remember who tweeted it today. Maybe you guys remember. But someone said that it seems in talking to teams, the consensus fourth wide receiver on everybody's board is more, um, which I thought was interesting. So I feel like it's going to be a risky proposition if you try, you know, to if you really like him and want to wait or trade down on him to be able to get him later. You know, I think Robinson is just a guy who, who drafts with his gut, for better or for worse. Um and I think if, if Moore is his guy, I don't think he's going to have any problem taking him there. Um, I think it, I, I kind of think it's either going to be like Newsom or Moore. I feel like they like Moore more than Bateman, and I feel like wide receiver cornerback is going to be the pick. Maybe I'm being too hopeful in my own self-interest there. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with the Moore pick, assuming that they are comfortable on playing him on the outside and he's not going to be you know, a, a purely slot receiver. Yeah, and I saw that same report this morning. I don't, I don't know if it was Peter King or Albert Breer or who it was, but they did say that the consensus wide receiver four was more, which is another reason why, you know, if you would be comfortable taking him at 27 but not at 22, I mean, what 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 are you really saying with that? Because if it's five spots too high, it's going to be the same grade in – in the war room, you're just saying, I think we can get value based off what we know. And that certainly could be true. Like 
that that's but it probably doesn't change your grade i don't think they'll like marshall because he's got a leg issue um i don't think they'll like azizu jolari if they do look at edge just because he apparently has a knee issue i don't think they like they'll like rashad bateman i, I mean they may like I, I just don't think they he fits exactly what they like as much as elijah moore does so you're talking about moving down for a guy, because uh, people have this weird, and I think it's because he was listed so tall earlier in his career. People think that Bateman's like six four. He's six foot. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's not he's not Corey Davis. So it, it's not like you're going to get this guy on the outside who is just a special body type. He's like an inch and a half tall. So I think that, and they want like Kadarius Tony because he's got a, his own burgeoning rap career, and he also has one season in his career, his four year <laughs> career, where he has more than two hundred <laughs> yards. So. Like that when you look, that, we talk about the wide receiver class being deep and it is deep, but it's not deep with things that you're like, wow, there's a lot of things to be confident here. It's like, I remember that one time Rondell Moore was a good, good against Ohio state. Kadarius Tony can run through tackles really well. If you only look at 2020 Rashad Bateman didn't drop the ball as many times in 2019 as he did in 2020. It was probably just the COVID Terrace Marshall's good. <laughs> he just needs to focus more. Like there's all these things where it's like, yeah, like, you can find pros in these guys. And if they're there in the second round, like fine. Like, I mean, I I guess roll the dice there, but if you're looking at what Robinson has historically done other than last year, it's, he wants to hit singles and doubles in the first round. And then he wants to take swings in the second round and his swings have been great in the second round. But I mean, there've been a lot of guys who've been good, like play a ton of snaps for you in the first round who might not be studs. That's a good way to put it. Will. And also, to your point, there have been a lot of current and former Titans who are hip-hop artists. You have Isaiah Wilson, Tajay Sharp, Rashard Davis was one. Uh, Darrington Evans is a current Titan. So Elijah, or whoever it was, Tony would just fit right in. Music City, baby. Oh, yeah. That's right. Matias, Matias, you have got the godforsaken New York Jets at pick 23. Yeah, uh, I'm actually glad that Will took Elijah Moore and not Greg Newsom because if he took Newsom, I have no idea what I would do with this with this Jets pick. But I'm going to take Greg Newsom because their starting cornerbacks right now are Bryce Hall and Blashawn Austin. I don't know. No, who I that thought you were about to say Blashawn Sims. Blashawn. 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 It's got to be like Caleb Lesuan Austin. I don't know. I mean, maybe the depth chart is wrong, but I don't see any other decent cornerbacks on the roster. Uh, they also have two really good safeties in Marcus May and Ashton Davis. They have good players uh, on the defensive line and some decent linebackers. So I think cornerback is probably the move for them after getting Zach Wilson with the second overall pick. All right. That puts me on the board with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know, like, so so in, in one of our practices, I took Najee Harris here at 24, and Will did the same thing in another one. And it's, it's not so much a, I'm opposed to running backs in the first round. It's I'm opposed to non-elite running back prospects in the first round. And I just don't know that Najee Harris is that because Pittsburgh collapsed halfway through into the season and then in the postseason. And so that makes me wonder, man, like, like they need something other than a running back. But all of the good cornerbacks are gone. 
they don't really need a receiver. And I'm not a big Tony guy, and he's kind of the best guy left. And I don't know that how much that would really move the needle for them. And this is this is tough. Um, I don't want to take Najee. I like Najee Harris. I think he's a really good player. I just think this is too high for him. But I'm also kind of sitting here to myself saying, well, well what else are you going to do? You know what? Screw that. Here's what else we're going to do. Because <laughs> I'm not taking Najee Harris this high. I, I, I convinced myself to do it earlier today. But now that we're on the record talking to an audience, I just cannot make myself do it. I'm going to give Devin Bush a running mate, and I'm going to take Zayvon Collins. For me, this is a, like, it's not even, it's not really best player available. It's most impact available. And and I think that they just need something else that that's not a running back because you can, running backs are a dime a dozen, go find one in the second round or third round. I mean, do you guys they, view they cons def- differently? Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, do you guys view Collins differently now that he's up to 270? Because I thought he might even, you know, we obviously saw John Robinson working him out. And, you know, I kind of think he's like a Dante Hightower type guy and could see him in the Titans defense. But I, my opinion actually changed him bulking up. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that indicates that people want him more at defensive end because a 270-pound off-ball linebacker is just massive. Unheard. Um, and I think he'd be so, great with the Steelers. Where just put him somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that works on paper, and they can probably get away with it. But I think there's 25 teams in the NFL that would have no idea what to do with a 270 pound linebacker because it's not like you have a bunch of tape of him playing edge. Like he lines up there sometimes, and he blitzes sometimes, and that's good. But I mean, more often than not, and my first off-the-cuff reaction is he reminded me a lot of Rashawn Evans. Like, I don't think he has elite sideline-to-sideline speed. I think he's a guy who you want in the box and you want moving around there, and especially if you're bulking him up to 270. So, like, I, I don't think you want him out in space with a shifty wide receiver or, like, you know, covering a running back out of the backfield on a wheel route or anything. Not that he can't do it, but he, I definitely don't think he can do it at 270 consistently. But, yeah, it's weird. I, I really don't know what the deal with that was. But, like I said earlier, he's, like, a do- like he got his degree. Like, I don't know if it's a medical like doctorate or what he got, but he's apparently, like, incredibly smart. And if he added weight, then I would guess it's for a reason – but the reasons I like him are more the intangibles than what I see on the field. Having said that, I do think that the Steelers traded a pick for Avery Williamson last year, which is just the biggest red flag in the world for your like linebacker core. So, go, yeah, go ahead and load up there. Uh, but well, I mean, I mean for, 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 but for the purpose of this exercise, uh, I mean, if I don't, if there's not a big need where where there's a, I'm just going to take who's a good football player that's going to be good on this team. That, that's really the question I'm asking, and I think that Zayvon Collins probably has more value to Mike Tomlin than a lot of other coaches. I think he would have more value to Mike Vrabel than he would for a lot of other coaches. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that Mike Vrabel would understand. Well, what he we, that's a discussion for another. Time. <laughs> yeah, Nick, Nick yeah. you're up with the Jaguars at 25. It's kind of a tough one. Um, not really sure what direction they're going to go here to pair with Lawrence. Um, you could, you know, say that maybe they go with like Kadarius Tony and add some more, um, 
electricity of their offense. But I think DJ Chark, Marvin Jones Jr., and LaVisca Chenault's a pretty decent threesome at um, wide receiver. So I'm going to go wild card here and take Pat Freermuth uh, as, at tight end. I, I That's probably maybe a little too high for him, um, but they have <laughs> Chris Manhurts is currently listed as their starting tight end. Um, and I think Freermuth could really round out their offense um, and make them pretty lethal. You could probably, you know, reach out. I don't know if it's a reach, but take Cosme or Eichenberg or Leatherwood, um, you know, maybe to replace Cam Robinson eventually. But I, I'm going to go with Freermuth. So let me, you guys can rip into me for that one. I think I, you're right. No, I think they do that. I think, yeah, I think he's going to sneak into the first round. Like, yeah. I think he's kind of a dark horse to get in there uh, in the in the late 20s because there are a lot of teams that need tight ends. Like, there are not all that many great tight ends uh, in the NFL, and some teams just need them. Uh, and I could see Jacksonville being one of them for sure. Yeah, and they have – I mean, the running back was fine last year. Like, he was really good for an undrafted guy, and then he kind of fell off a little bit towards the end of the season. I I think they're going to end up with Trevor Lawrence – uh, Fryermuth and uh, Travis Etienne. I just don't know what order, but I think I, I think that's just mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Like like I said, even though they had a talented running back, I mean none of the GM and the head coach were not there when he was good last year. It's a completely blank slate. So I think they're going to want guys that they you know that they like, and I think they're going to say, "Hey Trevor, how do you like Etienne?" He's like, "Well, he was really good for me, except for that time that." Jeremiah Usukoromoa just grabbed the ball from him and ran it back for a touchdown. So, like, I, th- I think that, but I think Firemuth makes a lot of sense too because they really don't have any other options. Will, you're up with the Browns at 26. Yeah, this is another weird pick because there's so many ed- edges on the board that you're like, this is where they're going to take an edge. But it's like, no, I mean, they spent money on Clowney, which is a bad decision anyway. They lost Olivier Vernon, but they still have miles garrett so i'm like do i give him the and we've did this in the mock earlier in like one of our practices i gave him jason oway just because i'm thinking okay what if i give him this physical freak with incredible upside who doesn't necessarily have to play a lot immediately if Clowney's okay but i just don't think Clowney's very good um and that comes from a lot of experience a lot of watching him so <laughs> then it's like okay well are they going to draft a wide receiver i i don't know uh, it, it's it's tough because again, like they they've spent so much money and they've had so many high draft picks that it's just hard to kind of narrow one down. The I, I guess I just have to take an edge. There's just too many good ones on the board. Um, I'll go with I'm just flipping a coin between Quiddy Pay and uh, Aziz Ojolari because I don't really think they'll take away. Um, I'm going to say Ojolari. Like, I, I think he's got knee issues. I think those are scary. But I think they're a team that wants to win the draft. And I know this is us playing as them. But, I, you know, there's 10 people you could make an argument for at this position. So I'm going to take Ojolari and just assume that they're like, okay, we're going to have Clowney play really bad, and then we're going to put Ojolari in. And people are going to think he's good by accident when really he's not that good. So that's that's kind of my strategy here. If we were just going completely like ignore the board, I might go Richie Grant just because I love watching him play football. But I'll be honest, I have no idea what their safety situation is like in Cleveland. 
I've had them taken Barmore in like every single mock draft I've made. They don't have a lot of holes. Yeah, I don't like. That's another thing is I don't really understand like their defensive tackle position. Like, I don't think they're bad, right? Like they're fine. Like, but again, like if I think they lost Ogden Joby though, right? He's gone. So that's like that was my thinking. Yeah, and I think defensive tackle is interesting. Just and this is just a me thing. Is I think defensive tackle in a vacuum. Like when we drafted Jeffrey Simmons, I was not excited about it. Like I like not only the player but the position. I didn't like think was worth that pick. I was wrong. But I think unless you use a three defensive line formation where you have those guys out there all the time, rather than you know subbing them out forty percent of the snaps. Like I, I don't think there's a lot of value to it, so that that's why I don't have Barmore quite as high just on my like overall needs or overall uh, position rankings. Even though I think he's a good player, but yeah, I mean that that makes sense. Speaking of edges, the Baltimore Ravens at number twenty-seven, they need an edge, and I'm glad you took Ojolari because I do not like him at all. I do like Quiddy Pay, and I think he's a good fit uh, for Baltimore. So I'm going to go with him over Owe and uh, some. And, you know, I love Russo, but I don't think he's necessarily uh, a fit for the Ravens. Although I, I do think they would use him well because they have Calais Campbell, and they're not similar, but they win in kind of similar ways at times. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm going to go with Quiddy Pay. I think. He has a little bit of Ngakwe to him, who they had last year, uh, although he's a little bigger, and, and he wins more with like bull rushes that, than pure speed. Uh, but yeah, I think they, they go edge here. The Ravens have a couple of holes. They, they have a couple of holes. Uh, they do need receivers. They need a right tackle now. Uh, and, They're going to they get Dennis a, Kelly. Are they? No. Uh, he's visiting. They're going to sign... Uh, no, they're going to sign a, a who's it, Villanueva or whatever. They're visiting with Dennis Kelly too. Oh yeah, I know, but like the report is like they're going to sign Villanueva. I mean, they they may, but they have Ronnie Stanley, so if they do, Dennis, it'll be to sign him as a backup. Dennis Kelly's a better yeah. right tackle than Villanueva. Yeah, you're right, but <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm up with the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to end Christian Barmore's slide. They're a weird team because they're in cap trouble. And there's not a whole lot of holes other than the big hole, which is the quarterback position, now that future Hall of Famer Drew Brees has, has hung it up for the last time. So I'm just going to take a good football player for a good team uh, and hope that they can figure out the quarterback position elsewhere because there's not really an option here. Uh, <laughs> Mills, <laughs> Nick, you know, it's tempting. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Christian Barmore, the defensive lineman from Alabama. Do we think he's going to make it this long in the actual draft, or do we think he'll go earlier? I don't know. Mills? Someone's going to trade up for him. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I was talking. Well, Mills about- will go top ten. We're we're not talking about him. We're t- t- oh, <laughs> oh, we don't have Barmore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think Barmore goes like seventeen. Like, I mean, like I think he goes top twenty. You know, I keep just throwing out random Twitter reports that I, I can't necessarily verify off the top of my head. But is, isn't there something now that people are saying he's not super coachable and yeah. he has a lot less reps? Will than- thinks it's nonsense. I, th- I think it's I think it's pure smoke because, yeah. and let me tell you why. Because 
I cannot tell you a player that's not coachable unless they have like drug problems or whatever, who progressively got more and more snaps under Nick Saban Mm -hmm. and like uh, not only got more snaps, but if he's not coachable, I don't know how he got better, but he did get better. So somehow he either just naturally got strong enough to do whatever he wanted or whatever. And also this is my conspiracy theorist within me talking. But if you look on the, on the stage at the end of the national championship game, when they're celebrating, it's Nick Saban, Alex Leatherwood, Landon Dickerson and Christian Barmore. Like those are the guys on the stage and it's Dickerson hugging on, on Barmore and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, again, sure. Like maybe it's just like in the heat of the moment, everybody's friends, whatever. But Landon Dickerson is like sort of the glue guy for that team. Like, I mean, he tore his ACL. He took snaps in the game. Like at the end, like he picked up Nick Saban and walked around. Like he seems to be, I mean, everybody was ready to fight when he got hurt. Like, he seems to be the indicator. So if he seems to like Barmore and they get along together, and if Nick Saban is shaking hands with him and stuff after the game on the on the stage or whatever, like I, I understand that he won like the defensive MVP of the award game or the game award, blah blah blah. But like it's just it, it just has a different feel, and it's weird that it's all coming out right now instead of this the scattered like I don't know. He's not he's not the most charismatic guy, but now it's like he's uncoachable and everybody hated him. And I'm like, I, I don't buy all that. It reeks of Gruden. He's the one fanning the flames. So you can... Yeah. I was going to say, if it was an ankle <laughs> injury, it would be the Titans. And if it was, if it's somebody else who's uncoachable, who'd be like, i tell you what, I'm, I'm not going to do a Gruden impression, but he'll be like, <laughs> he'll be like, you know, I can get him to play because he loves Alabama and Clemson guys. Yeah. Well, I was going to take far more with green Bay at 29. Um, but you ended his slide. So I think I'm going to go with Santi Samuel Jr. Hmm. Um, tempting to take, I think Rashad Bateman's still on the board, right? He is. Um, yep. I was tempted to take him. You know, they, they, they have Lazard and uh, MVS. But I think the gap between uh, Bateman and those guys is lesser than the gap between uh, what I think Asante Samuel Jr. can be and Kevin King, who is terrible. Um, they brought him back. He's just on a one-year deal, but as of now, he's slated to be a starter. Um, and I think he's a major weak weak point for that defense. So Asante Samuel Jr. is a little smaller, um, but I think he's athletic enough to you know still play on the outside and be effective out there. So that's the direction I'm going. So let me ask you all this. Uh, Matias, you had Baltimore. And Nick, you had Green Bay. Both of those teams, you could argue, need a wide receiver. If uh, Elijah Moore was there, would y'all have taken Elijah Moore for either one of those teams? For Green Bay, absolutely. Yeah, for Green Bay, I would have. Green Bay, uh, Baltimore, no. I'm about to pick a receiver. Spoiler alert! But I mean, I, you better because took... uh, New Orleans is rumored to get one, and, and uh, Green Bay and Baltimore are both needy teams, well, quote unquote. So here's the thing: like I took Quiddy Pay because I was kind of scared that either the next three picks w- was going to take him, and I felt okay getting either Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, or Kadarius Tony. So it was kind of like a, I guess, a risk in a way. Well, we need to hear Will's pick first with Buffalo. Any, any time, buddy. <laughs> Will? He's clearly <laughs> not cute. Oh, oh. 
I, that's the first time I've ever been on mute. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, I didn't say or did say on mic, but uh, yeah. So here we are. Um, okay, so mine's a pretty easy pick. Uh, I think Buffalo, when they were in the champ, or not the championship game, was the championship game against Kansas City. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I tweeted this that I think that they're a running back away from being a like one of the best offenses in the NFL. And I know they performed like one of the best offenses, but I don't think they were one of the best offenses because they were pretty limited uh, in how they could run the ball. I think if you give them Najee Harris, you're good to go. So I think on draft day, they're either going to trade up for Najee Harris or it's going to be a bidding war between them and somebody else trying to jump above Pittsburgh. But for me, it's I, I'm going to go ahead and snag him while he's here. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's a yeah. great pick. This is good. I think this is better territory in terms of value for Najee Harris than the Pittsburgh pick about seven picks ago. This is this is where the Titans could pick, right? Because Buffalo might be trying to trade up in front of Pittsburgh for ETN yeah. or Harris. That would make a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it could either be Buffalo trading up. I I had a thought for a while that Atlanta was a team that could trade up, but I just don't know that they're that they're going to make that kind of move with the cap situation they're in. But somebody's going to trade up. I mean, they'll have offers to trade up because the rumor came out today that. Uh, the Jets want Najee Harris at twenty three two, and Pitt. We know Pittsburgh does, so we'll see. Okay, Matias, you're taking a receiver. Which one? Yeah, you know, of the ones remaining, uh, I like Kadarius Tony the most. I've talked him up pretty much for the last couple of weeks, and I really like him. I don't know if he's the best fit for the Ravens just because they already have Marquise Brown and Devin DuVernay who are smaller guys who are quick. Uh, I like Terrace Marshall, but I don't know if he's the right fit either, even though there are a lot of reports linking him to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson just doesn't like throwing deep and Terrace Marshall's uh, best plays come on deep routes. So I'm going to go with Bateman. I I think he's a better fit for Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think on a lot of these broken plays, he can get open. Uh, he could do a lot after the catch, and I, I just feel like he makes the most sense of those three that I mentioned. All right, I'm going to close this out with Tampa Bay at 32. They're the best team in the league. There aren't very many holes. And so I'm just going to give them someone that's going to make them even better. I'm going to go Gregory Rousseau to close it out. Uh, we saw in the Super Bowl how dominant Tampa Bay's front seven is and how they just absolutely smothered the best offense in the league in the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, there's some people that say, you know, you find your strengths and then you make them stronger instead of working on your weaknesses. Well, there aren't really any weaknesses in Tampa Bay. So let's take their biggest strength, the front seven, which, again, smothered the untouchable Patrick Mahomes, and let's make it even better and give them Gregory Rousseau. This would be a great landing spot for Russo because he can sit behind Jason Pierre-Paul, who has a very similar body type, uh, and just learn from him as he fills out his body uh, and learns a little bit more about how to win on the edge. That's it. We're done. That gets us through the first round. Uh, Quickly, before we do Stop the Nonsense, Either answer one of the we'll, – we'll go around. Everybody answer either one of these two questions. Question number one, biggest surprise to you looking at this board. 
And then question number two, was there a position where you're picking and you thought, you know, if this was real life, I'd be working the phones to try to trade out of this spot? Uh, the, I don't know if there were really too many surprises. I think maybe Parsons falling to 18. He usually goes uh, earlier in mock drafts and just the edges, I guess. But I don't, I don't like the edges either. So, like, I'm totally with you guys uh, in terms of uh, some of these edges falling so far. I mean, only Phillips went 11. That was my pick. And then the next one went 26th. I think we could see something similar uh, on Thursday night. Uh, so I think Jamin da- or Jamin Davis or however you say his name, linebacker from Kentucky. I think there's so many rumors about him being a guy who's going to go in the first round. It kind of surprised me that we didn't find a place for him at the end of the first. Um, but I don't really know where he would have gone. Like that, that's the problem is because we're thinking the way we're thinking and we're making all these picks. It, it's hard to say like, well, that was a dumb pick. Like, I mean, in terms of different picks, like, Zayvon Collins to Pittsburgh is one that makes total sense after you see it, but it's not one that you see a lot. Um, Darisaw to the Chargers is interesting because they need an offensive tackle, but like, I, I mean, and, and they would probably take Darisaw if he's there, but because uh, Penny Sewell goes higher than expected, it kind of forces different players up, and I think you have to get Darisaw there, even though I think they might have traded up for Slater. So that that's kind of the interesting picks i think in this draft i would say biggest surprise is that i picked trevon mooring for indianapolis because i don't really know all that much about him and it was a panic pick so (laughs) that was mine (laughs) i mean that's me with every offensive lineman i don't know anything about them like it's a very chris ballard pick too where it's just like hey, here's a name, and people are going to talk about how great it is, and then he probably won't be as good once he's actually on the team, mm-hmm. but people will just remember how great they thought he was, like Ben Banigou and Rocky Sin and yeah. all the other guys he's drafted that people forget about because he drafted a guard in the top ten. I think looking at the board we did, I think Devontae Smith could theoretically drop to the Eagles like he did here in this exercise. I'll also say, I feel like we say this every year, but based on the scenario we talked about with the running backs and maybe some other positions, not only do I think the Titans should trade down, I think they're in a good spot to do it. I mean, the reason that the Isaiah Wilson fiasco happened in the first place was, by all accounts, that they wanted to trade down but couldn't, and so they took you know the, the best player left on their board, who probably was not ranked that highly, but no one wanted the 29th pick because there weren't that many good players left for that value. I think at 22, you know, you're going to have your choice at the receivers. Uh, you're going to have your choice of Najee Harris if that's who you want. I think this is a spot where they could theoretically trade down. All right. Does someone want to say something about that? No. I just – I think they had no idea what to do last year at 29, and I think yeah. that's why we got the Isaiah Wilson. <laughs> Who's the biggest right. guy on our board? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Somebody sorted him by height and said about grade by accident. They're like, are you sure we have Isaiah Wilson? This? It's like, it says he's the third guy on the list. All right, it's time for Stop the Nonsense. Nick, since you are our guest, you get to go first. Well, continuing that theme, I will say Stop the Nonsense is Isaiah Wilson's rap career. Oh, um, I, I don't want to – I'm not going to pile on the dude that much. Um, you guys actually played me the clip. I hadn't heard it. Um 
but it, it is rough. I had, I had low expectations, and he uh, he exceeded them, which seems to be his his uh, a common theme with him. Um, I, and part of it is is just bad. And the other part is, man, like it is part you know like sad. Like there's obviously someone taking advantage of this dude. Like yeah, man, you're awesome at rapping. Just give me you know twenty grand, and I'll flip this, and you know we'll twenty grand of. Twenty grand of Amy Strunk's money. Yeah, we'll we'll produce something great. You'll you know you'll be a hit. All this kind of stuff. Just talking in his ear, and it's it kind of speaks that he's just probably not surrounding himself with the best people. So, you know, it's one thing after another with this dude, and I hope he realizes, you know, after the reception that this is this is not the career for him. Just like football, and you know, I don't know, maybe be an accountant or something. Just keep looking. Yeah. I'm not a big hip hop guy, but when I was writing the story that I put out last week about Darrington Evans, I pulled up his music. I was like, you know, this isn't my kind of thing, but sounds pretty good. And then I listened to Isaiah Wilson's, exp- hoping to be to, to give him a chance. And like I told you guys, it's like this high falsetto voice. I don't know. It's very, very, very strange. Uh, who would like to go next? Uh, I'll go just because I have. Oh, go ahead, Matias, if you want to go. Uh, well, I was going to piggyback on the Isaiah Wilson thing and just uh, say that what he was trying to do is called crooning, and it's kind of when you're singing while you're rapping. Uh, epic fail. Uh, just absolutely <laughs> one of the things. <laughs> one of the worst attempts I've ever seen in my entire heard in my entire life. Uh, it was it, it was embarrassing to listen to, and I hate that it happened, but it did. Uh, well, while I'm at it, I might as well just do my stuff nonsense. It's pretty quick. It's there's so much information going on right now in in terms of the draft, in terms of NFL in general, uh, and I feel like we're getting just just too much stuff out there, and a lot of it is is just BS or it's framed uh, in a way that that doesn't make sense or, or is plain wrong. Uh, and this happened this happened today. Adam Schefter tweeted in regards to Peter King's report from last night about Atlanta listening on Julio Jones and why it would be a post June first move. He says, if the Falcons trade him after June 1st, they save $15 million against the cap. And he says, if the Falcons trade him before June 1st, it would be a $23 million cap hit. Uh, Okay. And then Tom Pelissero, like a couple minutes later, tweets, there is no cap magic with a Julio Jones trade or any other. Here are the Falcons options on the roster. Uh, 23 million cap number in 2021 traded before June 1st, 23 million dollar dead cap in 2021 traded after June 1st, 7 million dead cap in 2021, 50 million dead cap in 2022. So like, I'm just confused by all of this and I don't exactly know uh, what is going on. And it seems like they both have conflicting numbers, but it's all coming from the same report from Peter King. So it's just, there's so much, information going on right now and i feel like a lot of these reporters are either getting it wrong or they're framing it in a poor way and it's going to continue to happen for the next couple of days so be attentive well you're up. Uh, okay so um this is not the way i intended this to go but my stop the nonsense is uh people that complain about draft season right now <laughs> uh present Oops. company excluded uh <laughs> uh but just because I think people forget in all this excitement and all this rush for, you know, the draft to finally be here and for it to finally be Thursday. We're about to have to go through two months with 
no real sports. Like we get playoffs in basketball and that's cool. And we get playoffs in hockey and that's cool. But other than that, it's like ESPN is going to show like cornhole, pool, bowling, and like baseball. And you can't, I mean, they're not a sport in the bunch. So you've just got to like deal with it for two months until preseason football comes back and something kind of looks like a sport again. So there's a lot going on right now. Don't pay attention to all of it, but embrace the chaos because it's going to be boring for a couple of months after this. Yeah, but I think in some ways it's a little necessary because I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm kind of a broken man right now after, you know, my brain, I, I, I'm like a dog with a, you know, like the fake ball throw with all these, uh, <laughs> you know, this draft day lies that and smoke that's getting pumped and i'm falling for all of it my brain my brain is kind of in a blender so after this draft weekend you know i might just need to take a a breather and you know get myself back together especially if this draft goes poorly i mean of course i like the hype it's just that the all these reporters trying to grandstand and the, the bad information that's what i don't care for yeah but i like the fluidity of it like i like the not the number three because we've heard it a billion times but like i'm definitely tired of that yeah it's like but like i'm hearing that so and so likes this i'm hearing that like it's like okay like finally some information and they may accidentally say something about the titans which is nice because other than three days before the draft everybody seems to forget to even call the titans to get any information on what they want so it's just (laughs) 400 reports about what the jets are going to do with their second pick and it's like, hey, we're picking right there. I'd, I'd love to have any information about that. All right, so my Stop the Nonsense this week goes to Jace Coburn, the new head basketball coach at Portland State University, who <laughs> in his opening press conference gave a very bizarre tirade about how he doesn't have climate control in his car because he likes to exercise his mental toughness in the winter time and get cold and get hot in the summer and he said that he doesn't eat breakfast in the morning so that he can starve until lunchtime and be hungry and and fight through the pain dude you're just you're a dork man you're a dork (laughs) like i can't i don't i'm not gonna call you a loser because clearly head if you're a head basketball coach at a university you got something going for you you're not a loser but you are a dork if you're doing those things to like practice your mental toughness, this is like Saturday Night Live territory making fun of Jim Harbaugh. Like, this is just very weird. Please stop. Turn the AC on in your car. Eat an egg when you get up in the morning. Like, stop, please. <laughs> I, I always think I of like think... the AD in that situation. Like, he's one of two things happened. He was either like, oh, God, like, everybody's going to think I'm the biggest moron ever for hiring this guy. <laughs> or he's just as bad as that yeah. dude and just eating yeah. up. Like, yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. That's exactly. He's like, hell yeah. He's like, tell him about how you – he's like in the background. He's like, tell him about how you don't have AC either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like Dan, Dan Campbell talking about crushing kneecaps was not, yeah. oh nearly, as, was not nearly as dorky as this. Uh, I mean – 
it's it's all bad and it's all different flavors. But sometimes once every year, there's a like a D three hiring that you're like, <laughs> oh, this guy's legitimately insane, and the AD just <laughs> took this for enthusiasm, and it's like, no, this guy's brain's just broken because he has he's been in 120 degree cars. Because poor guy hadn't eaten trips. in weeks. <laughs> it's just wild. So uh, like you're right. It's like he's either like. I've got to check the contract, see if there's an out. Or he's like, <laughs> he's like yeah, this is my dude. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. All right, that's going to do it for our pre-draft coverage in 2021. We will be back next week to, strangely enough, recap the Titans 2021 NFL Draft. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow Nick on Twitter at NF underscore Lombardi. Until next time, enjoy the draft, everyone. We certainly will. It can't be worse than last year's. Until <laughs> then, for wood. yeah. Wood. Until then, for Will, Matthias, and Nick, I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.